Um, anyway, we are going to get to the second half of this after that wonderful power up uh, squared. Um, and uh, tell you what, we're talking about the tech exchange. So, formerly a rave podcast with host Jane Johnson uh, that went a total of seven episodes. Tech exchange is back as part of a power up. We've done one show previously where, yes, Alicia was one of our guests, along with the Google, who uh, lost his mind and ended up becoming a crew member. Um, he didn't want to leave. He really didn't. He said, I'm staying here. I'll see you next time. Next time happened to be next show. He was caught in the moment. He was, <laughs> he was caught in a mosh, I think is what it really was. Um, but anyway, he uh, remained as a crew member. Uh, on the Tech Exchange episode of Power Up, we talk about four recent stories in tech, and here they are. The first. Now, I had planned on talking about a different story, but this one was sent to me by a friend of mine, um, and uh, I got to tell you, this is huge. Cisco. Uh, layoffs. Um, this is, you know, without a doubt, um, it happens. I think, I think this happens every year with Cisco, but this is massive. Uh, and the story was reported by CRN. Uh, this was on the 16th. It's been updated in other channels, but it's at Cisco systems is laying off upward of 14,000 employees representing nearly 20% of the networking giants, global workforce. Um, it said they're expected to announce the cuts within the next few weeks. I think actually there was an announcement made today. Um, a lot of early retirement packages. Uh, you know, it's, this is really something. And here's a statement. They need different skill sets for the software defined future that, than they used to have. In theory, the addressable market could be higher and margins richer, but it will take some time to make this transition. Um, you know, I mean, there's a whole lot here. Uh, another, uh, an analyst, a Wall Street analyst said cuts would be due to the company not needing as many employees in the back end process as more customers transition to the cloud, as well as Cisco being late to enter the cloud market. Interesting. Uh, the I think strategically late. Yeah. Well, the networking hardware giant. Okay, and again, we're talking hardware here, late to the cloud game, and maybe I guess we're seeing the result. So again, we talk about cloud, we talk about software, we talk about the hardware, and the direction that some should be looking at. Could this be a specter of bigger things to come uh, where, where hardware is concerned? Anybody? I'm going to actually say that as much as it sucks for the 14,000 people or so to, you know, lose their jobs, this is what's going to happen across a lot of the markets, I think, where companies are going to start shifting because I, I, think, I, think I think we're seeing new markets, you know, positioning themselves and Cisco is positioning itself. Um, it seems pretty clear. Um, but this is also an opportunity for people to be to be smart and go with the wave and pick up these new skill sets. Mm -hmm. uh, Cisco, it, sorry. No, I, I 
I can't agree with you more. It's that I wouldn't say it's pretty clear. I say it's writing on a huge, huge wall, wall. Yeah. that's forty-five feet tall, backlit by an LED and a spotlight on that thing, just like you know, flashing. You know, yeah, you, you can't that. miss it. I mean, seriously, if you want a better example of software as a service and a plan moving forward, I direct you to San Jose, California. but but again with that being said this also opens up or it should open up doors for people at the ground level to pick up new certifications develop new skills because that's the only way to be relevant in the new market Um, just like with the AV industry going from you know analog heavy world to a a more you know hybrid and now and now a more IT centric hybrid um, you have to you have to go with the flow. Mm-hmm. You get left behind. Yeah, it, absolutely. This Cisco thing kind of fascinates me because I I look at um, I look at everything that's going on in our space and all the other industries, and all that's really going to be left is gazintas and gazautas, and that could be a POS machine, a kiosk, TVs, displays, projectors, microphones. And I always thought to myself, wow, they're going to need all these switch ports in the middle to power all these things. But I'm thinking maybe a lot of these things are going wireless and they're not selling as many switch ports. Wait, wait, Joey, D, can you say that one more time? The, 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 gazin, 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 the, the what? Yeah, I use that term all the time. So basically, <laughs> is, that, is that a hashtag? Can you hashtag that for me, please? Gazinta and Gazauta. That's really all. If you look at every AV system, it's either a Gazinta or a Gazauta, mm-hmm. especially with the advent of SBSI and, you know, various POE powered audio interfaces and stuff like that. There's not really going to be a lot in between. Just like TJ said a few weeks ago, if they virtualize a QSIS core, there's nothing in between. You're right. going to be running SPSI, Dante devices or QLAN devices. So you're going to have nothing but Gazintas and Gazautas. The whole what about, about S video? Well, you know, um, <laughs> video is my preferred video format as it should be. Yeah, I mean, I try. I try to recommend people to roll with that it's every stick. time. I, every time I see that, they still use the CRT. You know, <laughs> you, know, you know what this reminds me of? This whole system thing. The first time that I ever saw an Xtron S video distribution amplifier. Oh. Is anyone else been blessed by this pain, or is it just me? No, I was there. The first time composite I saw video DAs, man. Well, no, I'm, I'm saying at least composite had a a, a a a snug fit, right? You know, the art, the yeah. photo jack would grab it. The S video one didn't have that, and they kind well, of you, back, and you had to kind of zip tie the cables up into the rack so it would do the stress relief like this. Well, well, you know, if someone if someone had you working on top of a ladder trying to plug in an S video cable and not using a YC with VNC connectors, they did you a disservice, my friend. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, I saw, I first saw this thing of the actual, the multi pin, not the YC connectors, and I saw that PSQ point. I put my mouse, and I realized, I realized, I looked at that and I realized, and I said, this bit will go away because it's painful, it's hard to use, and as a user trying to figure this out is just a, a metric we don't want to go into, right? And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing the shedding of the troublesome, if you will, hardware environment to a more user-centric, IT-bound, if you will, software-based environment. But what I don't understand about this is if we have nothing but gazintas and gazautas, whether it's AV or any other industry, 
all these devices need switch ports. So how is Cisco not making money in today's day and age? Because if everything, oh. you have the internet of everything, they, they all need a switch port. Like, well, you're talking, you're, you're looking at it from the aspect of, and we're assuming that they're looking at hardware across the board. Maybe they're not. Maybe you're looking at maybe you're looking at trimming the fat and building up a more leaner hardware based business and that has software offerings. That's yeah. where I'm thinking. There's no yes. way you can cut hardware out of the equation. I mean, it's always going to be hardware. Not fully. I, mean, I don't think in this industry either. I don't care who says yeah, AV, uh, hardware's got to. It's not going to happen. It it can't. But yeah, streamlining maybe. hardware with yes. That's, what we're talking. that's that's where you that's where you make your money if you can reduce your overhead reduce your overall burden rate when it comes to production of the hardware and have a larger software offering that allows you to develop your core business software as a service you're printing money at that point in time right. and a key, a key example of that is so Akano in its first rendition because now it's something else now or <laughs> we'll see but um you can deploy some of its services, you know, in a VM and then still have the physical hardware too um, or vice versa. So uh, it gives you some expansion there rather than locking you into only doing anything with this, with this box or only doing anything with a virtual, you know, a, a, a virtual approach. Uh, and so, you know, I, yeah, and I, and I was going to get into that, Darren, because we did talk about that. You and I have talked about it, and sure enough, you know, Cisco talking about adding Skype for business to video rooms. We plain and simple know what this is, right, Darren? Yep. How they did it, right? Akano, Akano, Akano brought, I guess, brought that wizardry. Yep. <laughs> that's that's what they did. Exactly now, the umbrella of Cisco. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I mean, it's one of those things where I really think that they were. That was kind of a signal, right? Mm -hmm. They're looking at a business model in which they have a purely virtual. Now, we did talk previously about Akano having a a bigger brother, if you will, that is a hardware-based appliance feature. The core of Akano's business is a software as a service environment, and you're looking at that. And then what do they have? They have a very streamlined, a very efficient hardware component that allows them to scale their opportunities in their business. This is like, this is 2001 Space Odyssey shit back in 78. You know what I'm saying? We're getting there. It's getting there. It's possible. Yeah. But what this is called is Cisco meeting server. Okay. Mm -hmm. Is what they call it. And Econo, they call the software. All right. So... This is all being tied in very well for Cisco at this point with an acquisition that happened earlier this year, although it started last year. And I've actually followed this for quite a while. And when, sure enough, these, these articles hit this week, I said, yep, yep, there it is. It happened, you know. So, uh, and this is part of the conversation, too. There's no question about it where you talk about hardware, but you talk about streamlining. All right, and I think that's exactly what we're looking at here is more in terms of streamlining and adding software, cloud components, and all that to that. So, uh, you know, a lot of layoffs here. It's, uh, you know, it's a very tough situation, but, you know, Cisco sees the forest for the trees with all of this at this point. So, and I think there's more acquisitions to come. No Here's another uh, cool little uh, factoid. So, I've been around this time every year, I start to look at certifications that I want to, you know, work on for the next year or just what I want to work on for the next, the next year. That way September I can sit down and 
do what I'm going to do. And so I started looking through the, uh, the Cisco certification offerings. And at one point in time, I wanted to do DNA. And then I realized, well, I'm not configuring routers and switches. That's not, that's not really what I, what I do. Um, well, now they just released what's called the CCNA collaboration. Mm. Um, with this sort of the certification basically will give you all of the, you know, all of the basic and mid-level, um, you know, IT configuration, understanding of network topology, all that stuff, but also how to tie in endpoints, um, cloud-based, application-based, um, all the new stuff that, 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 that's happening now. So it's actually really interesting. And I think that if you're an, if you're an AV integrator, uh, installer, engineer, um, those are certs you're going to have to start looking at. Just like Microsoft, um, they have certs that, that also kind of piggyback and, and work in conjunction. While Infocom has its certs as well, there's the manufacturer certs. We also have to look at the Cisco's. We also have to look at the Microsoft's. Um, and, and again, that um, the CCNA collaboration is actually very, very intriguing. So uh, I'm looking into that now. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great point. And I tell you what, de definitely look at that. Everybody look at that because to go with the CTS certifications, that looks like one, and for everybody getting into the collaboration space, Darren, that looks like something to definitely consider. Okay, as Cisco is evolving and, and going in this direction, no question about it. So let's move on to the next. Uh, this one was actually sent by Sandy and found over the weekend. It's Tim Cook. So uh, your, your man there, uh, Sal, what do you know? Tim Cook, Apple. He says AI and augmented reality are core technologies in Apple's future. So throw away your iPads, throw away your MacBooks. Uh, it's all about AI and augmented reality. So um, although I know Sal will never do that. Uh, so what is said here is look at the core technologies that make up the smartphone today and look at the ones that will be dominant in smartphones of the future, uh, like AI, uh, Tim Cook told the Washington Post, which raised the issue of Apple's prospects given its financial dependence on the iPhone in a slowing smartphone market. AI will make this product even more essential to you, he asserted. Now I'm scanning here looking for Pokemon Go, and uh, I don't... Uh, I don't see it, thank goodness. But he talks about Siri and about broadening Siri in a huge way. Uh, so, Sal, uh, I believe, believe you hopefully took a look at this one, huh? No, I didn't get any of the links you sent me. <laughs> so you were well prepared. Corey. <laughs> like a blind man in an orgy, just feeling my way around. <laughs> hey, you'll just fall into it. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to read a little here, Sal, and you'll catch it. So the CEO, I had a feeling you'd read to me anyway. <laughs> he also reiterated a recent statement. The company is spending a lot of money on an augmented reality. And without going into detail, but we're talking here about, uh, ooh, Google Glass, magically Microsoft HoloLens. Um, it looks like Apple is uh, looking at doing this kind of stuff there, Sal. Uh you know, what do you think of that with uh, Apple heading towards AI and augmented reality? I don't know. I The way that I look at it is that that's probably going to be around the same way that uh, 3D TVs are still around. 
<laughs> we don't talk about that in the AV industry. I think well, that's kind of why I'm bringing it up. It's that it's it was it, it was a great idea that just never really served a purpose. It never really became what it was expected to be because it just that the demand wasn't there, and it never. Are you talking about AI? Well, no. Uh, Maybe I'm thinking more. Actually, you know what? I was thinking more well right now. You know, I was thinking more along the lines of VR. I apologize. Well, VR. Okay. So, um, no, no, okay. so listen. So I was at the Microsoft store this weekend in DC, and I saw the whole virtual reality thing that they were pushing right at the front of the store, and it was kind of cool. And I see that being the fad, like the 3D stuff, but yeah. the augmented reality stuff. All, all the augmented reality of like what we're seeing with. I don't know about Apple, you know, what they plan on doing, but all that AR stuff, man, it's actually kind of cool. And what they're doing. Yeah. Well, the hard thing is, the hard thing is that like, like we discussed previously between VA, VR and AR, you have a much higher adoption rate in the AR side of this because there is no clunky mask to put on. There is no clunky environment. You got to step into AR uses your natural environment. AR uses you, right? Which ramps up your adoption rate dramatically, exponentially, really, because you have the ability to get rid of all that stuff. Well, well, not only that, it's cheap and it's on your phone as opposed well, to virtual reality. So, you have to well, buy cheap, cheap and cheap and low ROI, cost effective are two different things, right? No, that's true. Something, something can be cheap, but it can also, but you can also have something like that has a low ROI, right? When I was first started in corporate AV, I worked in oil and gas, and we used to build these three D. VR, if you will, theaters that used a, a stereographic projectors to allow you to see inside forms of oil and gas systems. And they were really cool, but they required a ton of specialized infrastructure, one, two, and the funky glasses you had to put on to see what was going on around you. So they really, you know, the adoption rate on those was really low because of cost, because of infrastructure, so on and so forth. If you could take that and apply it to something that's already in your environment, say your phone or your laptop or whatnot, you have the ability to cut that adoption rate in about, I don't know, three quarters? Because people are familiar with that stuff. And it's not, like I said, it's not about being so much cheap as it is, just you can actually cut your ROI down, and then it becomes not just a sales point, but it becomes a fully functional part of your environment. It's no longer just, you know, the Cisco telepresence suite that's down the hall that you have to have one for every site you have so they can all talk together and have the Cisco telepresence experience. It's not shipping a paint color to your end user saying you got to paint your walls this color to be a part of this environment. You're giving them the environment at that point in time. Mm -hmm. you know, I was curious. Apple, what, I was going to say. Go ahead, Joey. I was going to say, Apple, uh, when you look at AI and, and AR and the capabilities of your Apple smartphone or your iPad or whatnot, Apple has no choice but to go big on those two technologies. Mm -hmm. That's right. They themselves as the, the gateway into that world or how you talk to and communicate to an artificially intelligent software thing or whatnot. But um, they, they, have, they, have, they have no choice. They have to be a leader in that space if they want to continue to grow the smartphone market. Well, you know, Joey, and it referred to the iPhone. Obviously, the iPhone is, you know, one of the biggest parts of Apple and everything they do has to circle around the iPhone. So, you know, talking about this, it absolutely is of great importance for the device. Um, Sandy, I was curious because you sent the article. Was there something about that in particular? 
And I know you guys talk a lot about AR, and John takes the sales staff on Pokemon field trips and all of that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you talk about AR uh, in the office and, you know, kind of putting it on, you know, even a business side in that respect? Um, we do. Uh, I mean, it's so broad right now um, with all the different things. Um, the reason why I kind of pulled that and found it interesting is, you know, just like you have, you know, who uses Android, who uses, you know, Apple. Um, it, it was just interesting um, because they are thinking going forward, and I agree, they have to. Apple has to. Um, they have to, their way of sticking, you know, <laughs> with the times and moving forward mm. and, and going with, you know, what comes back down to who's your end users, what are they doing, you know, what's grabbing them. Um, like Justin said, you know, I, I think that's huge, you know, with AR, um, it's a matter of convenience. You know, you make it convenient and easy, it, it's a win-win. So, I mean, that, that, that was just, it just, I didn't see Apple going that way. And that's why it caught my attention. And I'm not sure where to weigh in on VR, honestly. I mean, yeah. it's a thing. It, it'll happen. In the AV industry, personally, I, I don't see the case for it. A, a, augmented reality, maybe. AI, you know, we talk more about Skynet than anything else. And, you know, we will have Rick Kurzweil on the show one of these days, right, Justin? And we'll talk about it with him, too, right? Hey, man, you know what? It, it could be anything. We could have Ray. We could have the Terminator. I mean, it depends how far down the rabbit hole you want to go. That's right. That's right. Hey, Alicia, what do you uh, carry for a phone, huh? Uh, I have I have Android, so. Oh, okay. You you win. <laughs> I can't. I've always been my Galaxies. I can't let them go. Can't let them mm -hmm. go. Yeah, my Galaxy works. I have no problem with it. So does mine. And I'm getting my uh, Note Seven, and that's going to be even bigger when I get that. Uh, my Nexus Six P is amazing. Oh, look at that! What so, you had an iPhone. Uh, I still have it. It's at my house. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just laughed last time when I saw the Google guys all running around with iPhones. I just thought that was funny. Well, I mean, mobile is mobile. You know, who cares whose name's on the box? I, mean, I just figured they hand those things out like candy at your office. Mobile <laughs> is mobile. <laughs> we, have, we, have, we hand out candy like candy at my office. I know. There you go. So, uh, yeah, uh, AI, augmented reality, um, you know, Tim Cook, Apple, uh, we'll, uh, we shall see. Uh, the next, uh, a cord cutter's guide to watching the Olympics. Now, Justin had sent me something. Unfortunately, uh, there was something, there was a problem with what he sent me, but I think this, was, this may have been along the lines, Justin. It is. It's actually really close. Yeah. In terms of what you had sent me. So, you know, talk about this one and, you know, what struck you about, uh, about this. So, a couple of moons ago, we had the, the big 4K production uh, FIFA, right? That was one of the first events to be filmed, actually produced and broadcast in 4K. Now, most of us didn't see it in 4K because, you know, the back end wasn't there to support 4K in your home in the 4K to the set-top box, but it was there. And it was this huge thing from, you know, Xfinity. They had all this press and hype around it. And I expected that same press and hype to be around the Olympics, right? To have that, that same that same component around it, right? And what I found is everyone trying to find the most efficient way to watch it. And it wasn't on a 4K TV. 
Most times it was on a laptop, and it was remote streaming. It wasn't a cable broadcast service. And so all it just it made me it made me smile because we as an industry have put so much into the front end of this broadcast, right? You know, red cameras, Sony cameras that produce these fantastic 4K images that we watch on a regular basis for our users to sit back and watch it on a laptop. It goes back to several things we've talked about, about knowing your user, knowing your requirements, and knowing what success looks like. We can actually bring for our users a much more robust video experience if we focus on the ideal user environment versus trying to push what we see as the end game. I mean, across campuses, I'm not, I'm not talking about, you know, the company that we're from, I'm saying just in general, across campuses right now, people are streaming this content to their desktops right now. And they're watching it amongst other employees and they're, they're engaged in the experience. It makes you think that we don't always have to have that huge, high-end, in-your-face experience to engage your users and to get your point across. That was my whole thing about this. And something like the Olympics, it only happens you know, summer and winter every four years, respectively. Something like that, something huge like that is being, now being broadcast across the world as a streaming environment and reaching more users than ever. It's huge. It's amazing. Yeah, I, I, that, that's actually a really cool perspective on that because I was actually thinking that they, that, you know, I'm with Verizon. Um, I was thinking that they would put together a, a 4K promotion for the Olympics. Um, but they didn't. They didn't. <laughs> I, mean, they, I mean, they were, they were banging 4K. They were banging a 4K drum for FIFA, right? They were like, you know, 4K, 4K, 4K. And some of the people, at, yeah, I, you know, I haven't seen that anywhere for this entire Olympics. I haven't nope. seen the advertisement anywhere. That's what I'm saying. Think about it. Uh, I mean, think about Super Bowl, right? Monday Night Football, the exact same yeah, year. Buy Football your 4K game. TV. Got to buy your 4K TV. Exactly. Monday, Monday Night Football, that same year that FIFA was produced, that same info comments FIFA was produced, the exact same thing was broadcast in 4K. How many folks had a 4K TV prior to that to make that happen in their in their homes? Not many. <laughs> Not now, only do they need the 4K TV, they need the 4K service from their cable provider. Well, and that's the great area you run into, right? Because if you read the way it's set up, there is no broadcast control for 4K to your house. It's upconverted doesn't matter what pipeline it goes through or whatnot. It still has to convert from site to site to get through. And we still have 4K bandwidth across but, the entire environment. And I understand that, but you, you still need to pay for a 4K service from your provider to be able to access those 4K channels. Well, what I'm saying is you're not even getting 4K. You're getting right. converts. You're paying exactly. for it. Exactly. Right. Correct. So in 4K. In all fairness, we're making do with what we got in the first place. But, but to your point, who cares anymore? That's what I'm saying. Who cares? Yeah, who right. cares? Nobody cares. Are you, yeah, are you right. seeing any mass uprisings for not getting 4K right. in the Olympics? No. Are you nope. seeing folks standing and boycotting? No. What I'm seeing is people who have a 4K TV who think they're watching everything in 4K when they're yeah. watching or I mean, cartoon or something. You know? Well, and I mean, you look at, you know, and I hate to use reference, but, you know, Corey was a sales puke. You know, he knew how to really bundle those things and kind of push those things out. You know, you <laughs> can really... Wait a second. So was Sal. <laughs> no, I, I... Do we have to go over this? I never got my commissions. That's but, right. How could I... Well, 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 we don't well, need to go over that again. The point is, and the question that I pose to my, my friends here tonight is... 
do we really need all the front end flash whiz bang gazingas and gazados, whatever Joey calls them, or do we need to listen to our customers and develop product for them that's going to meet their their end needs? Right. Right. Well, the whole, 4K con- the whole 4K conversation in itself, you know, just goes in so many different directions. And you believe, do you believe who you hear and what they say and everything else about 4K and 4K content? And is it really 4K? Um, hey, Alicia, you know, tell me what your thoughts on 4K. Are you watching the Olympics? Is it something you're really paying close attention to? I watch it when I can. I will. The schedule so up and down that I'm catching bits and pieces of it, and it is through streaming. Okay. Uh, but the, like you said, 4K doesn't matter because even if I I wouldn't be able to watch it in 4K. So I mean, right. like like the AV power up was catered to our end users, catered to the customers. Why not just go with what we what we're doing? But to play devil's advocate, maybe there's another application that we just don't know, or even from the end user standpoint, that is right. it is going to give it a crisp image. I mean, it, it's. It, I mean, Darren, you watch the men's beach volleyball all the time. I mean, you tell me, is the image? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. What could be I'm better? Not, oh, wouldn't go there? I tell you. Hey, what I'm could not, be better than sweat and sand, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm actually, not arguing. You just see every grain. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm not arguing that there's not a case for 4K. I believe there are certain there applications in which 4K does. Per- lend itself to the proper solution. I'm not saying a 4K content scaled down for streaming doesn't give you a more robust signal to encode and decode for your streaming applications. What I am saying is that if we assume one size fits all, and we assume that everything is going to meet our users' needs from our perspective without looking at the use case to begin with, you've missed the boat. Agreed. Agreed. Mic drop. Right, there you go. Uh, you know, catchbox mic drop. Catchbox mic, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it also talks about uh, freemium NBC uh, streaming in this. Uh, it also talks about Sling Pay service, other pay services uh, for streaming. But again, you know, if you're looking for 4K experience and all of that, it's really, you know, I mean, I think we've already talked that one to the death here. So anyway, there you go. Um, lastly, we are talking about stop talking internet of things and deliver the experiences already. Uh, so anyway, as much as we talk about that IOT and all of that, this is basically saying right here, stop talking and deliver the experiences. And I guess I have to agree. It's, um, you know, it was a whole lot of talk, a whole lot of buzz. All right, and and you know, just as uh, we called that other word, uh, Alicia, that we won't mention on this show, mm-hmm. uh, this has become some stunning buzz as well when we talk about the Internet of Things. Uh, so when people talk IoT, they usually focus on the devices, how they connect to the cloud, and about the volumes of data. This is all really cool stuff from a technology perspective, but from an end user angle, the device itself doesn't give them much so saying real battle organizations need to fight is about defining and delivering desirable new experiences for customers and users and that's i think what we really have to start talking about you know with with all the discussions in the industry um you know iot at infocom what's to come at iot insights justin i know you're going to be there 
there have to be conversations about the end users at this point. Um, we're having wonderful in, con in industry conversations about it and applications and all of that. Uh, but, you know, are the conversations there yet about what this means to the end user public at this point? All right, so. Contemplating. <laughs> it's, I want to tread lightly here because I don't want to just kind of dismiss the, the overall content. But when it comes to the IoT discussion, it's something that truly, that we as an industry have turned to a marketing term, right? It's, it's kind of been pulled out of, of concept of a development like, you know, like Cisco is moving towards what they what is purported to be a software type scenario. What if they were to go completely wireless or go more wireless versus wired? The whole IoT concept kind of balloons from there, right? And I think it's something that we as an industry kind of, I don't want to say ignore, but we try and slap our own spin on it to make our spiff, right? To sell our, 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 next, our next component, our next whatever Joey calls them. And it's interesting because we almost use it as a scare term in some cases, right? I mean, how many times have you, as an end user, as someone walked in and, and sat down and talked to you and they start talking about internet of things and, and some folks in the room who may not be as well versed in it as you are, or your IT folks are kind of almost roll their eyes in the back of their head. Like, Oh my goodness, I have to buy whatever you're selling at this point in time. That's hard. It's difficult. And we aren't meeting that requirement of delivering what, IOT is supposed to mean, right? Really, it's not the internet of things. It's the internet of everything. I mean, how many devices do you know of that you can walk in to see, even say like a, you pick your favorite big box store, Best Buy, so on and so forth, that don't have a NIC card? Mm. I mean, so many, I walked the other day, I saw a, a coffee pot that had a wireless NIC card in it. So you could actually tell it to start from your bedroom. These are the kind of things that are coming into our market and us using it as a sales and marketing term to kind of, you know, build up whatever product we're selling at the point in time really isn't doing us the service we think it's doing. Mm -mm. I'm actually, um, so I just got some of the preliminary um, specs and parts, you know, parts lists for uh, our building that we're building. Um, and they have, it has a whole section, a whole IoT section. <laughs> and they're like, we don't know how we are going to structure our security to, 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 to deal with that. Um, and I, I started thinking to myself, I was like, yeah, if people are putting trash cans and toasters on an enterprise network, what kind of security concerns? How, like, how, do, you, how do you fight that uphill battle? Um, so this would be interesting to see how that, how, 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 the, how it further evolves. And, you know, you bring up what's always the biggest concern in security with the discussion, you know, but you know, what I'm talking about is so, you know, we go to Infocom, they have the IOT pavilion, they have what's considered IOT. You have some pro uh, control automation, you have a few other things, but how are these conversations going to extend out? And then you talk about that there and it's like, well, once those conversations extend out, you have to follow it up with a security conversation. 
you have, uh, you know, guys like Gary Hall with Cisco, uh, who are very well versed in the conversation of IoT and security. Um, and, and we've talked to him. And, you know, these are the people who are going to build out that conversation. And the industry needs to follow along with those discussions, uh, you know, as far as I can see. But, you know, again, this is what talks about talking about it and delivering the experiences. And I know, you know, the industry likes to talk all about delivering the experience. Well, here it is. You know, it's time to deliver it, you know, talk a little more and deliver it at this point if we're going to. But there's also that line of it's not could you, it's should you, right? There were certain things that if you talk to your user, they couldn't care if it's on the network. And you know what? Speaking about the theater environment that uh, Alicia works in, I've worked in a theater before as well. There are certain things I couldn't care less if they're on the network when it comes to a theater. Matter of fact, I wish they weren't because it means they're going to work most of the time because I'm not going to run into, you know, IP conflicts and, and connectivity and what and so on and so forth. It's those mission critical things that I don't want to worry about if they work or not. Now on the flip side, and I think again, at least you can speak part of this. If you go to your users and ask them what they're looking for and ask them what the use case is, that's why there's a coffee pot with a Wi-Fi card in it. That's why are these random things you find at Best Buy with Wi-Fi cards because somebody went and did a UX study and talked to a user and the user said, you know what, it'd be really awesome if this thing could sit on my network and from my room, I could push a button and a toilet would flush itself. That's why these things exist. Do you think they're going to expect, companies like that are going to spend money just to kind of see what they can get into it? There's a lot of value that goes into that user research. I don't think it's something that we do well enough, unfortunately. Roger. Yep. All right. Well, I like the fridge that we can view the contents inside from a supermarket. I, I thought of that like 10 years ago. I was like, it'd be so cool as, as you brought something out of a fridge, if you didn't put it back in, the fridge would know. Order it for you. Joey, there's still time for you to invent this, you know. Come on. Uh, they've got it. <laughs> invent the next best thing i guess is all i can say with you um, but i don't know alicia do you ever have conversations concerning iot or is that discussed at all uh like you said it's a buzzword me i feel everything is about the experience that's what my overall end game is to create this creative ventures and create this awesome experience for the end user so and like you said in the theater uh, one issue we're having right now is our control panels don't work for our lights in our theater. Hmm. So I have to walk upstairs, turn them on, and try and get it set up. So, I mean, there's, there could be a lot of problems uh, with the Internet of Things. We just need to see what people want. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Have you made a service call, by the way? Yeah, we made a service call. Oh. Hopefully it's fixed. By Never tomorrow. knows about those service calls right there. I know a lot, actually. I, I I know a whole lot about service calls. But, uh, <laughs> good ones and bad ones. Huh? Yeah, I was very good at that, though. I had a lot of fun doing that stuff. Uh -huh. All right. We'll ship you down to uh, Houston and uh, you know, you fix yeah, the problem. There you go. <laughs> he doesn't come cheaply, but he does the job. So uh, there you go. Um, all right. That's it. We, uh, we did it. Tech Exchange. So we covered some, uh, some good stuff with uh, – Cisco with uh, Apple, with IoT, and with streaming. 
uh, of the Olympics. So, and 4K, which who doesn't like talking about 4K these days? Uh, anyway, we will wrap this thing up here. I'd like to thank my guests, Alicia Handley. Alicia, thank you so much for joining us again on this uh, Next Tech Exchange episode. Really yeah, appreciate Corey, it. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Tell us all about the ways to find out more about you. Um, You can follow me on every platform at The Smooth Factor. The Smooth Factor. There you go, folks. That's how you find out about her. And uh, if you want to look her up on LinkedIn, Alicia, A-L-E-S-I-A Hendley. Um, Look her up. A lot of great stuff. Uh, Sal Biondio, can people find you anywhere? (laughs) At home, in my bed, usually where I'm found. (laughs) Me too. I don't think he's on Twitter. He's not uh, on Twitter. I am actually because I have. Uh, it's all under my DJ company. Oh, okay. Sal is a DJ. Yes, it's all under that. Yes, I am a DJ. Night Owl Entertainment. All right, Night Owl Entertainment. They're in uh, New Jersey. That's right. So, Look them up. Uh, owls never blink on Instagram, and owls never tweet on Twitter. Okay, there if you go. If you want the personal fun stuff that is non-business. Wise, it's Team Stitchy at on Twitter. All right. Hey Sal, what uh, what type of speakers do you use for your DJ rig? Uh, JBL is on the Eon. Oh, that was the wrong answer. That was the wrong answer. <laughs> that was the wrong answer. Hey, dude, the That was the wrong answer for Joey D'Angelo. No, no friends and family discount for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, if somebody is donating, I'm supposed to say K twelve, K twelve. You may want to talk. You may want to talk to Joey D'Angelo after the show. Just. If, if if somebody's throwing me some speakers my way, I can advertise that at every gig. Your way, but uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, I can advertise that at every gig. Oh, okay. All right, Joey, we'll hook you up. How's that? So, we, we brought in a bunch for my wedding. It was pretty sweet, dude. I was like, whoa. Mm-hmm. It's like I, I, I'm more. I was a consultant, so I'm more on the installed side. You know, I don't see a lot of the pro stuff. Um, but the K series loudspeaker for QSC is very interesting because during the recession, like when the economy was really bad, like 2007, 2008, that K series product was just the it speaker. And it, uh, they sold tons of those things right straight through the recession. So and well, I, didn't I, use I was them. like, what's the deal with these speakers? Why are they so cool? And I had them at my wedding and I was like, oh. Yeah, I mean, I got a pair. They're awesome. I yeah. did use a, a pair of QSC speakers at one of the, uh, the bars that I used to DJ at that I did the AV integration for. Corey, oh, yeah. you remember George and Martha's. Yeah. yeah we definitely. did the integration for the, you know, mm-hmm. and I threw in the QSC uh, speakers yeah. in there. Nope. Had to get replacements, blew them out, but they, um, yep, they did sound. That's it. There you go. So you got your plug, Joey. Where do you, what do you know? Yeah, I wasn't really trying to plug. Was... <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Whatever. You're a salesman. You always try to plug. Uh, I resent that. No, Joey resents that remark. By the way, I think I was referred to as the uh, that sales. What was that, Justin? Sales puke. Thank sales you puke. very much. Yeah, I do appreciate that. I've been out of that realm for a few years, so can't wait to get back in. Just so like people can call me that again. So Jeremy, Jeremy Caldera. Yeah. So the summer of Jeremy continues. Well, at least for a little while longer. Yeah. All right. Golf. Uh, you know. Beamer. Open road. Going again tomorrow. Doing it again tomorrow. There of you course. go. And where do people, if they really want to know more about you, where do they find you? 
at uh, Jeremy underscore Caldera is where you can find me on that thing that they call Twitter, although I don't know how to hell to use it. So That's right. That's None right. of us do. If you want to find that, I cannot use you know, it. I just, you know, I just, I, I got into this whole Snapchat thing too at Infocom. Mm-hmm. I, I, I feel so old because I had to actually like look up a YouTube video on how to help use Snapchat. I gave Snapchat back to the kids. <laughs> I just decided to give it back to the kids. I don't know, Sandy, if John is still keeping it for himself, but I decided to throw it back. Yeah, I think he has it, but I think uh, he kind of gave up on it. Yeah, if John Green has given up on it, folks. The industry. <laughs> he was so excited. Okay, he is the oldest millennial in the industry. John uh, <laughs> decided to give it up. It's gone. It's so, it up, but it's a dead technology. It is. Dead. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, uh, I think all of you guys might just be ancient <laughs> relics. Oh boy. Anyway, so. Uh, we'll wrap this thing up. Uh, thank you to my guest, to my crew, Sandy Charlo. Thanks, Sandy. Thank you, and thanks, everybody. Had a great night, great talk discussion, and see you next time. Yeah. Darren Pitchback, thank you, buddy. Thank you. All right. Joey D, as always. All right, guys. All right. And the Google, Justin Watts. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, whatever. Even though you call me names and stuff like that, I, I still thank you. I call Jeremy worse. I, I call Jeremy worse names. So oh, did yeah. you? This is very true. He texts oh. me all the time, and he was. <laughs> I'm reading the chat. I, I can can't see even him. say him. And, and, and this is like, and this isn't even like an edited show. Like, and I can say vulgarity. I know. And if people are even <laughs> listening now, they'll even hear this. Uh, you know, so we don't even know that's going to happen. But anyway, <laughs> I would like to again thank my guests. Thank my crew. Thank you all out there for listening, and we will see you next time.